It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. And welcome back to another episode of On the Clock. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield, and today we are joined by a friend of the show, Joseph Marino. Welcome back. Wow, Joe, you call me Joseph. Incredible. It's What's calling pro- you? Is are you Brettley, Brettford? What what are we going hey, with it's, there? It's proper decorum. It's your full first name, you know. Yeah, my given name. You know, that's what my parents intended to me for me to be called. So it's th- thankful for you to respect my parents. Thank you. It's biblical. It's biblical, yeah, my brother. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we're uh, we're sitting here on September 29th, uh, a day after the Lions shellac the Green Bay Packers on national TV on Thursday Night Football. Um, and we wanted to do some rookie review today with you guys. And there were two rookies that played in last night's game. Well, there's a lot more than that, actually, but two that we want to specifically hit on. Joe, I know you were a Brian Branch guy in the pre-draft process. Where are you at right now with what you've seen? Well, I'm I'm further in than I was. I mean, <laughs> Brian Branch, I don't know how you didn't watch his tape at Alabama and think he was one of the 20 best players in this class. And I think some goofy things happen with this evaluation. First of all, this devaluation of what he does, which I don't understand. I don't understand the devaluation of what Brian Branch does because what Brian Branch does is exactly what the NFL needs, right? Like let's stop minimizing the hybrid slot safety types, the guys that can play in the nickel. The NFL is played in nickel. These are starters and they have critical jobs. Like they probably have the hardest job of anybody on the defense because not only do they have coverage responsibilities against good slot receivers, they also have run fit responsibilities. Can we stop like diminishing these types of players that do it at an elite level and realize that there's incredible value for what they bring? And I think you're seeing that with the Detroit Lions. And again, whether it was not valuing what he does or like being critical of the athletic profile, watch him play. His play speed and his play instincts are phenomenal. And so I think that people got goofy when it came to the Brian Branch evaluation and the Detroit Lions are certainly enjoying having him. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about a guy falling, like he didn't fall that far. He fell to what forty fifth overall. That's right. still ridiculously far. I, I, he was a top twenty player for me. I called him the safest player in the entire draft class. That was in his draft profile. I wrote up on fantasypoints.com. But was it forty time, Joe? Like what the? Like I don't understand how that guy fell to the second round. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, he wasn't available in the second round in my world, right. so I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, there's 32 GMs that need to account for that question, but um, yeah, I just, I think we need to recalibrate here when it comes to these elite slot safety type players um, because the NFL's played a nickel, and those guys have a tough job. Yeah, absolutely, and what's crazy about Branch, too, is he, like, the Lions love his skill set so much. There, there were moments in camp this summer, Joe, where they they were banged up at corner. Sutton was dealing with something. Mosley obviously wasn't back yet. I think Jacobs had to miss a few days. Where they, they just put Branch on the outside, and he dominated. <laughs> at outside corner, he's playing safety in their, in their you know, ba- I shouldn't call it base anymore because nickel really is the new base. But yeah. in the three linebacker sets, he's playing safety, and then the rest of the time he's in the slot. Like, this is one of the most versatile players of recent memory like actually versatile we always label guys versatile and then in practice it's never really the way they get deployed but this guy actually is versatile you can make the argument joe that in the three games that the lines have won he's 
probably the biggest driving factor of why they won. He took over all three of those games, the Kansas City game, the Falcons game, and then last night, all over the place making plays. I think he's I think he leads the NFL in PBUs right now. Um, obviously, he has an extra game played, so that is what it is. But um, uh, tackles for a loss for a defensive back, he leads the league in that. Uh, run stops, he leads the league in that. Like he's, I mean, this is this is my d- uh, defensive rookie of the year. I know Jalen Carter's playing fantastic as well. We're not going to hit on him today, but like yeah. Brian Branch is my rookie of the year. I haven't allowed myself to consider who the early candidates are for those awards, but a very shallow consideration in my head. I I think I agree with you. I mean, who else is even in the conversation? I guess Will Anderson's off to a pretty good start. Yeah. He's had, you mentioned Jalen Carter. Christian Gonzalez has been great for new England. That's probably the four right there. I think everyone else is actually kind of disappointed so far. So, right. Um, Yeah. Those, those are definitely, definitely the four Gonzalez looks really, really good too. So yeah. Yeah, it's probably Gonzalez and Branch and Carter. Those are probably and Anderson. Those are the four. Yep. In the yep. conversation right now. I agree. But when you t- like I look at I don't just look at stats, and I know that the voters do, so right. it is what it is. But when I look at like actual impact to a defense, like Branch has turned around this Lions defense yeah, almost single-handedly. Exactly that, right? The Lions defense was really poor last year, and his impact, in addition to other players, like they made great adjustments throughout their entire secondary. Yeah. Um he's a catalyst right i would i would definitely call him one of the catalysts for the defensive turnaround and i mean they tightened the screws on the packers last night so interesting right like you and i've had conversations not on this podcast about the lions and especially after the kansas city win and we talked about how they lose that game i would say the same thing about last night where golf throws the pick on the first series oh dude crap road game thursday night football in lambo you're like this is not going to be good and then they absolutely turned it around very quickly and then there was the play going into the fourth quarter that shouldn't have started and yeah. you think to yourself oh no is this is this the are the lions going to unravel right here especially because the packers have kind of come from behind this year and then they didn't right yep. they didn't so i don't know i i continue to believe that this detroit lions team is different i i agree like when golf threw that pick last night my wife said to me she was like oh no here we are again yeah. same with lions and i said no babe like normally that would give me ptsd that moment but i was like no, this team is different. They're going to bounce back, and they did. And even even the like that drive in the fourth quarter, that like statement drive where Montgomery, I think, ran for like sixty yards on that drive alone. Like they went down and got seven when they absolutely needed to go down and get seven, and they did get aided by the yeah Quay Walker thing. But still, like that was such a clutch drive. That's the like the second time they've done that now. When they they had the have to have it drive, they went down there and got seven. So I started that drive with like eleven minutes left. I'm thinking to myself, Green Bay's got time here, right? <laughs> yeah. And then Detroit, I think that's a mark of a good team is when you have a chance to put a team away, do you put them away? And certainly, Quay Walker, thank you for jumping over the snapper. But (laughs) I still think the amount of time that they put off the clock in addition to getting the field goal to make it a two-touchdown situation, Yep. I I mean, even that, I mean, I still think they would have came away with the win. Obviously, you love getting the touchdown there. For sure. That's a good segue too, because we did want to talk a little Jameer Gibbs versus David Montgomery situation. The Twitter, the Twitter place right now, Joe is ugly, and that drive was a statement for David Montgomery and yeah. kind of where his role is with the team right now. But the fantasy nerds, Joe, and you know, I, I'm doing this podcast as part of the Fantasy Points Network here. But the fantasy nerds, Joe, are losing their collective mind about the Lions' usage of Jameer Gibbs versus David Montgomery. Do you have any thoughts about this, my friend? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I think fantasy is getting in the way of good football conversation. 
about how these two backs work together. And if you watch that game and you didn't feel like David Montgomery had a massive role in tearing or kind of working away at that defense and having that statement drive, I don't know what to tell you. I think that these are two very nice complementary skill sets that the, the, the perspective is completely skewed because of upset fantasy owners. That, that's what it comes down to. You were promised this un, never seen before role from a player, right? By, by the Lions with Jameer Gibbs and, and all the commentary that they had about him, picking him as high as they did. And this brought everyone to a really strange place about what Gibbs can do as a rookie. And he's been fine. He's yeah. on pace for a thousand yards from scrimmage. But the bottom line is Montgomery's getting the touchdowns. Montgomery's eating into his workload and people just don't like that. But if you get it back to real football, these are two backs that are complementing each other, complementing each other quite well. And um, I, I, I still think there's a lot more coming for Gibbs. He's played four games in the NFL. Four. <laughs> That's the hilarious part, right? Four. We're, we're calling it a wasted pick four, four games into a guy's career. So when he's played well at that, that's the crazy part. When Gibbs yes. is touching the ball, he looks good doing it. I two, two remaining points on that is like, one, the, the Kansas City game and the Green Bay game, those two defenses have in common that they blitz all the time. Green Bay leads the league in blitz percentage. The Lions trust Montgomery with pass protection duties like crazy. The Lions offensive line is banged up right now, like yeah. badly. They've got, you know, backups all over. Well, last night they got Decker back, but he obviously wasn't. He, went, right? he, yeah. he was playing real bad. Um, so they they trust Montgomery with those, you know, with those pass protection duties. Gibbs isn't there yet as far as that goes. And secondly, like they had a 14 point plus lead the entire game. This was a pound the ball. Could they have given Gibbs a few more touches here and there? Sure. But this was a pound the ball game where Montgomery was just taking over and, you know, they're they're eating that clock. And then the the last point is like we know about the rookie wall, especially for skill players. The really last, real. Yeah. Right. This is not a, a Lions team who's planning to play 17 games this year, Joe. Yeah. This is a Lions team who's planning to play, you know, Preach 20 games. Yeah. So they're not going to – why would they ramp up his workload so much the early part of the season that he's going to be worn down by the time they get to the end of the season? Not to have the weirdest imaginable pivot, but I, I wonder about that with James Cook in Buffalo. Ooh. Like, he's on pace for, like, over 300 touches, which is a stratosphere that I never anticipated right. for James Cook. Same. Um, especially, like, not only because it's James Cook and a guy that was, like, never a, a volume guy at, at Georgia, um, but the Bills have never really used a running back to that level of volume. Like even when Devin Singletary, who's been their leading rusher the last four years, he topped out around 225 touches. James Cook is going to go over 300. It it absolutely surprises me, but I'm sure there's a lot of frustration with James Cook because he gets vultured as well, right? He gets all the yards and then it's like Davius Murray or Davian Harris or Josh Allen getting the rushing touchdowns. It is weird how little they're using Harris until they get to like inside the red zone. Yeah. That's that's what he exists for. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another rookie on the docket today who does play for your, your Buffalo Bills. The the cap you are wearing, the team you cover most, Osiris Torrance, the rookie guard from Florida. Uh, early observations on him? Yeah, I think th- what's – I want to start with this. There's not a lot of rookie offensive linemen right now starting and in, in contributing, right? It's just, It hasn't really happened. Uh, very small amount. And so I, I think what's significant about Osiris Torrance going – to the Bills in the second round and becoming a day one starter is, well, there's a lot, but the Bills have had very instable guard play uh, for a long time. Uh, They haven't had the same primary starting guard at left or right guard 
since 2017. So 2016 to 2017, they had John Miller and Richie Incognito. That's the last time they had the same year-over-year starter at either guard spot. Wow. And there's been a lot of miscalculations along the way, right? I mean, whether it was Cody Ford or trading away Wyatt Teller or giving contracts to Quentin Spain and Brian Winters and Spencer Long, um, John Feliciano, like they have had so many miscalculations uh, when it comes to that guard spot. It feels like between Osiris Torrance as a second round pick and Connor McGovern as a free agent signing that they may have figured out their guard tandem. But specifically with Osiris Torrance, what I think he's brought to this team, this Bills team, is displacement in the run game. And he's been really, really sound in pass protection. And he's been really good as a run defender as well. I'm very, very pleased with what he's proven to this point. And uh, in navigating through the outstanding data suite on fantasy points, I found one of my new favorite um, metrics that you provide. And it's about the rush yards before contact and contact. And I love how you got it sorted out. So it's like, it's a pure number. It's not like it takes away the kneel downs and, and stuff like that. And the bills right now are fourth in the entire NFL in rush yards before contact at 2.11. I think that's an Osiris Torrance stat. I think he's a big reason behind that. And obviously he's a physical run blocker, but the Bills have also really adapted a a gap rushing scheme where I think in the past few years, they've started off as a zone rushing scheme that morphs eventually down the line into a gap running scheme. But I think Torrance has finally given them some level of an identity as a rushing offense. Uh, because they have that people mover that they really haven't had on the interior to this point. And so I uh, wanted to give him some flowers, um, beat out Ryan Bates, who the Bills signed to a long-term extension last year, True. beat him out to, to be to be their starting right guard. And I think that he's really ignited this rushing offense and allowed them to have a bit of an identity, which has been an important conversation with the Bills is can they be two-dimensional, right? And not just Josh Allen running the ball, but can they lean into a traditional run game? And I think Osiris Torrance has really invigorated that possibility. Yeah, when I when I've watched Torrance so far, it's it, like this sounds crazy, but I actually think like there's a, like a lot more on the bone too. Like he's looked good, but like he, I think he, there's a lot more potential for him to grow. I've really liked him in pass pro, Joe. Like, and I, yeah. that, that shouldn't surprise anyone. He gave up zero sacks over the last two years at Florida or whatever. Um but he's looked good in pass pro and that displacement you're talking about. I think that's going to get more frequent as he gets more experience. Um, but the really encouraging thing for me is like not a lot of MAs. Um, anytime you have a rookie offensive lineman and he's not, he's not getting a lot of MAs. That's great. Like miss assignments are drive killers and, and Torrance really hasn't gotten any. So I, I think he looks pretty good. Yeah. Really satisfied. Now you across the NFL. It's like what often, what rookie offensive linemen are starting zero left tackles. Yeah, you've got Steve Avila, Matthew Bergeron, Chandler Zavala by because he has to. They're down <laughs> to uh, Carolina's struggling. Jared Patterson, John Michael Schmitz at center, Osiris Torrance, Cody Mock, and then at right tackle, Dewan Jones because he has to. Paris Johnson, Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright. I mean, there's not that many rookie offensive linemen that are starting right now, uh, let alone playing well. Torrance is doing that. Yep, a big agree there. Uh, let's wrap the rookie review with the the local kid from from yeah. where you live, Joe Bryce Young, Carolina Panthers' first overall pick. Um, it's been it's been kind of roller coastery. What do you what are you seeing? Uh, I'm concerned, and I, I've always been concerned with Bryce Young. Um, and I'm not rooting against Bryce Young. I'm not clinging to priors. I'm not here to spike a football, right? I'm not I'm not here to do any of those types of things. But I am here to bring up some questions, and. I'll acknowledge, first of all, 
the book is nowhere near written on Bryce Young. It's not even close. We we are writing the introduction and we're maybe a couple sentences in. All right, there's chapters coming. But the concerns that I had with Alabama, with him in Alabama are absolutely manifesting themselves to this point in every imaginable way. And I'll start with this. There's never been a less physically gifted player selected number one in the NFL draft. It's never happened, right? And I'm just, I find myself just amazed by what we ignored as a football community when it comes to this evaluation. He's undersized, right? Everybody knows that. And it'd be one thing if he was undersized and was a quick processor and got the ball out quick, but he doesn't. And last year at Alabama, he held onto the football for, on average, over three seconds. Yep. And that was my big thing. I said, that's not a world he can live in at 5'10", 190 pounds. He can't hold onto the ball for over three seconds. Well, what's he at right now, Brett? 3.2. Yep. And and that's obviously it's his first two starts in the NFL, and that's going to come down. He's going to he's going to, but I just don't think he's seeing things clearly. I don't think he's reading things well. I don't think he's playing with any level of confidence. He's already hurt, and so I think we fell in love with an instinctive pocket manager at Alabama that made some fun plays like off script. But he had to be able to play within structure at a higher level, both at Alabama and of course in the NFL. And I'm nervous about the trajectory here. And I, I wonder if there has to there has to be more in the architecture of the offense to account for what Bryce Young is and isn't. And I think Carolina needs to get on the Tua plan, right, for yeah. quick trigger, pre-snap processing, footwork, all of that stuff to allow him to maximize his potential because right now this drop back passing, reading and ripping is not good. And I acknowledge both of his guards are hurt. That's not, that's not ideal. It's a new system. Doesn't have any separators. Like I, I'm fully aware of all of that, but Carolina should have been as well. And I think that he needs better support. And I'm, I, I'm just, I feel like all the concerns that I had are fully manifesting themselves in every imaginable way so far in his career. Could you couldn't have said it better, my friend? Like, <laughs> this is why I had Anthony Richardson as my QB one because I thought Richardson, despite the accuracy concerns and the lack of experience, did the quarterbacky things better than Bryce Young. He liked to throw from you know from a clean pocket in structure of a play in rhythm. Could throw with anticipation. Young has reps of throwing with anticipation, but it was few and far between for the amount of dropbacks he had. The holding the ball thing is a really big concern, and and something that I thought was really strange is. The first couple of weeks when Young is on the field, all of his receivers looked completely bunk. Like Thielen looked washed. Chark looked like a shell. Well, Chark did come back from an injury, but he looked really bad. John Mingo, you know, wasn't getting anything going. And then all of a sudden you put in Andy Dalton in the lineup and they're making it work. And Dalton looked phenomenal last week. DJ Chark looked like vintage DJ Chark. Adam Thielen had a, one of his best games in the last three years. And I know Andy Dalton's a vet, and you you would expect probably him to play a little better than Bryce considering the circumstances, but just the the gap between them was way more extreme than I imagined it would be, and that, that's a little concerning to me. So, we'll Let it play out for yeah. sure. But, yeah. like, what's also interesting is, like, the messaging from the coaching staff. And not that you shouldn't be supportive and complimentary of your prize number one pick that you gave up a lot to get, but, like, Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, was asked last week before the Seattle game, like, would you play a rookie 
that hasn't had a, an ideal week of practice. And he's like that rookie. I would like, <laughs> can, can we chill? Can we chill out? You know? <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's wild. <laughs> that rookie. So, I would. You're, you're playing thinking like, let's make this Miami and, and do give them the tool plan. I mean, there's, they don't have the personnel right now to, to get even close. No, they're not they need, close. Yeah, they're they not need close. speed and quickness and oh man, like they're they're far away, which is sad because you don't like how long is is his clock going to be? You know, like how how much time are they going to give him? And what resources do they have? Meaningful resources, given what they traded to get Bryce Young. They needed more of a transcendent player. It's a very good point, and they're they're basically. I mean, if John Mingo doesn't develop into a, a, a stud, like they're going to be in trouble, you know? Right. And I think he's, I think there's a path for Mingo to be a meaningful player, but he seems like he's always going to be a size, athleticism, ball skills guy down the field. Like, is he going to be an ideal volume target where you can funnel your passing game through him? I, I don't know. I don't see that type of player. I see a nice X factor for an offense, but is he a 150 target guy where it's third and six, you need a completion, you know where you're going with the ball? I don't think he profiles as that type of player. Definitely not right now. He's got he's got a lot of work to do for sure. All right, Joe, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. We're gonna do a quick, I guess, prospect look ahead here with Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, he's kind of been labeled the consensus best skill player, not named Brock Bowers, for a, a good bit of time now. Um, what did you have on him coming into the season? Where did, did you see him that way? Did you see him as some transcendent prospect that's gonna? break math and 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 be the dude yeah it seems like it to me I, i'm a big fan of marvin harrison and i'm not sure that's a hot take i think anybody that's really studied him should should be pretty pretty satisfied with what he is six what he's six three and a half 206 pounds some I mean, hit 23 miles per hour on the gps last year 10 9 broad jump 394 short shuttle it's already done you can do 22 reps at 225 i mean he's got every physical trade imaginable which is a little bit unique because i feel like a lot of these receivers that were excited about coming out they're 5 10 180 pounds you know yeah. what i mean so you finally get some guy with some with some size about him and i i just i think he's a special prospect his ability to win routes early um excites me i think he's got a really dynamic release package his ability to to get into his stem with with urgency is really good i think he's got good long speed and short speed um, knows how to create those leverages, advantages, and stack corners. And like I, I his ability to get on top of corners quickly just really excites me, right? Because I think separation's such a key part of being a good receiver and being one of those high volume guys. Um, and I think he's a route winner, right? So like he gets on top of corners quick, but the way that he bends his stems to create leverage, the way that he works in and out of breaks for a guy who at six three, I mean, his ability to sink his hips and, and pivot quickly is really, really exciting. And then, of course, the hands, body control, ball skills are all there. I just – I feel like this is a, such a complete player with the skill set and the size and the physical attributes and the pedigree. Like, what's not the love here? And I think the natural name to invoke when you think, okay, who is he like? It feels like he's a lot like A.J. Green. And and I think that's a, a lofty name to invoke, and I'm careful with those types of things, but I think he deserves it. Um, what where, What's the concern here? I mean, maybe he's not the, the most elite yards after catch guy. I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's getting pretty nitpicky here when it comes to okay, why won't he be successful? That's one of the questions that I like to ask myself when evaluating. Like what what are the critical factors that would make this player not successful in the NFL? And and it, it's as it's as much of a palms of the air. I don't know answer um, is any player I've considered in a long time. 
yeah, I agree. Like the the movement skills he has for his size are incredible. I think back to like two two cycles ago when Drake London was coming out. We yeah, we were Gaga over him. He goes what he went eighth overall, right, Joe? Top ten as top yeah. ten, yeah. Receiver and, first went off the board, yeah. Yeah, first receiver off the board in a pretty stacked class at that. Yeah. And yeah. he didn't have near the the burst and juice that Marvin Harrison Jr. has. Like I, I mean, London's a good athlete, but I think Harrison's an elite athlete and he does all of those things well. There's no reason this dude shouldn't be a top ten pick, obviously. Um, top five even. You know, I think he's he's that level of prospect. So awesome. Enjoy, Joe, man. Yeah, I'm satisfied. You. This was I'm, a good talk. I you know, I gotta shout out your beard, man. This is incredible. I mean, it's it's full, it's lush, it's got the color dynamics. I think is what really makes it the 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 uh, oh yeah yeah distinguished grays that are mixed in with some reds and some some browns. I mean, just an incredible yeah. beard, man. Like I got some like really dark black. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Some brown, red, and gray. Yeah, I think you want to grow mine out to yeah. like because I used to not be able to grow hair like up in here. Yeah, he trained my beard to grow higher. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that was a thing incredible and you got the beard fade going so like i don't know man i i i'm digging what you got going on there thanks man inspired by we we watched the show vikings over the summer my wife and i okay yeah and it was inspired by ragnar lothbrook so i was like i i want to i want my beard to look like that guy's beard that's Uh, awesome you're on a good path that's what you should be for halloween i i am i I seriously am i i literally just ordered a little uh ragnar you know i don't know top or whatever and gonna wear some some black pants well you have like 50 million kids. I only have yes. one. So um, I'm at the phase now. She's she's going to turn four in January, but she's picked my Halloween costume nice. every year. So I just, it's whatever she wants. And right now I appear, it appears I'm going to be Kristoff. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, my wife will figure that out, but that's what she wants me to be. So that's awesome. Yeah. There were years where we were doing the, the fro- we did Frozen, I think three Halloweens in a row in my household. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in, the, um, in the weeds with it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, but uh, my my two oldest are they're being uh like Viking warriors themselves. Oh, so incredible! Like, the, it was the, perfect. the family photos are going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be great. And you know, Ramy's a little blonde hair, blue eye girl. She's we're going to do a sweet like Viking style braid in her hair, and she's she's going to look sweet. Some face paint. Wow. Well, yeah. it sounds like the Whitefields are winning Halloween this year. So congrats on that. Yeah, we're going to go all out. We don't normally like go hard for Halloween, but we decided this year we're just gonna just gonna have some fun and do some dress up. So. The close to the podcast, nobody thought they were going to get. <laughs> True. But good if you stuck around to the end. Yes, absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure you'll be back again sometime soon. So uh, everybody, make sure you check us out on YouTube. If you're an audio-only listener, click the subscribe button, click the bell, get the notifications. And with that, we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.